As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Okay, um, can you guys hear me? You hear this all right? Special teams, I I thought, stepped up today. Um, Started with Lamons and the fumble that took place. Uh, Matt, Matt Wright stepping in, which is a real tribute to Brett Veach and, and his group. Um, I was proud of the offensive line for the job that they did. Uh, they were, uh, they had a certain mindset about them and, and they came out and presented that for four quarters. Um, Patrick, Kelsey, um, Marquez, uh, who am I missing? Uh, Juju and then the, those two runners, man. They, well, really three runners. Uh, they just they bared down and, and really did a nice job, uh, which is big. You play this group and time of possession ends up being a major league thing. You don't want Tom to have that ball too long and for too many snaps. However, our defense, Let Spags had a nice uh, plan for them. They're very talented. They were able to get their receivers back, and I'm sure that's just going to – they're going to keep getting better as it goes on So um, when they have more time to work with one another. But listen, all in all, when you can get three phases – <clears throat> working in the right direction, it's uh, normally a good thing for you. And uh, tonight was a good thing. So, for that time, Drew. Pretty much the only thing I think we unanimously were agreeing on headed into Chiefs Buccaneers was that we didn't have any real sort of concrete idea of how this game would go. But even as we were texting up until kickoff, I'm Joshua Briscoe here with Nate Taylor and Seth Kaiser, the whole band back together. Our group chat right ahead of kickoff. Nate, you were asking how we felt. Seth, you were saying you had no idea. I was saying that I was worried about both team sets of wide receivers for different reasons. One thing that none of us said at any point in the entirety of this week, anywhere that was ever recorded, was that Chiefs would put up a 40-burger en route to a route of Tampa Bay that was not as close as the, yes, 41-31 to 31 final score. Even when the games are kind of normal, they're weird for the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll talk about that uh, over the course of this next hour or so here on Times Ours. Again, Joshua Briscoe, Nate Taylor, Seth Kaiser. Nate, you made it presumably to Tampa and back all okay. You witnessed some football, wrote a story, doing a podcast. What else could you ask for? Exactly. Um, and and I'll did it in a pretty uh, smooth manner, hopefully, um, for people who read on The Athletic and are, are listening to this. Yeah, I... You know, I guess the one thing that I was kind of right about was I was concerned about either team getting down double digits and the ability to come back in a a quick manner. 
Um, I didn't necessarily, you know, see it go this way, but what my normal routine is, I watch the game, obviously, I sort of consume the live all 22 from the press box. Uh, and then I'm, I'm observing these sort of small moments that may, you know, sort of further reveal the, the big, you know, themes or the overall thought of what the overall outcome is. Um, as we move from week three to week four to now week five in this season. Um, and then I go back to the hotel and I watch all the highlights of all the other games <laughs> just so I can be aware, because even, even when you're watching red zone, you're not real. I mean, that's just cocaine. I'm well, uh, it's, that's <laughs> crack. Let me, let, me, let me back up. That's crack. Okay. That's way more dangerous than regular cocaine. Nate. Um, <laughs> you know, but like watching all the highlight, like watching a condensed version of most of the games, that's like smoking a cigarette, you know, after, <laughs> After, you know, just we're just outside taking a break, you know, seeing what it's you know. it's smoking a pack one at a time. Red exactly. zone smoking a pack oh. of blowtorch all at once. While going a hundred miles an hour down the highway. Um, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, no, that is a perfect analogy and one that I think most people can relate to. So it's like, hey, um, the Eagles really good. Wow. Creative things going on with the New York Giants, but <laughs> cool. And so some of these things sort of highlight like how dissimilar the game I covered was or how similar it was for maybe that overall, you know, version of the week. Then I fly home. Um, then I watch the entire Chiefs game on the television broadcast. And. I don't know if many fans picked this up or, or viewers or our listeners, but guys, the game was over before the first offensive snap. Because do you want to know what Todd Bull said that I clearly read on camera? Like, clearly read his lips. No. Um, and this was after the poor rookie running back for the Buccaneers fumbled the, the game opening kickoff. Um, yeah, and you hate to see a rookie fumble a kick really early in the game. It's really unfair that you should have given that one back. <laughs> So the tables have turned. Um, tables. Todd Bowles, God bless him, sees the Chiefs' office run out to the field, realizes so they they get to start the half with they get to start both both they get to start both halves with the ball. Is this is this legal? Is like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I sorry, know the words he mouthed. Did he mouth the words? Is this legal? <laughs> like, guys, I know, I know we are a good defense, but do we? Do we have to do this? Like they don't even do this on all Madden. Um, hey, <laughs> which by the way, when you play Madden on all Madden, they don't make you fumble the opening kickoff. So, <laughs> no, and you would immediately come on. <laughs> re- immediately, yeah, you're on. out. You're like, nope, nope, that's bull. That's like that's like if your first play of the game, your quarterback gets hurt. If you keep injuries turned on, you're like, nope, right, right, nope, yep, we're yep, done here. That's not that's nope. not that's not that's not nope. that's not how I would have spent my time. Yep, that's not that's not what happened. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> this is before the first step, so people can go back and rewind and watch this if they DVR'd it, or if they want to go to you know NFL Plus. This man said, "Damn." <laughs> And then his next words were, I don't curse a lot, ladies and gentlemen. And I know that there are children nearby. 
Uh oh. All right, hold on. This is a this is a get your kid. This is a clear out the kids section. Seth, cover your ears. His his words were damn f- me. <laughs> <laughs> and for the next fifty nine <laughs> minutes, Kit, bleep it, Kit. Five and a half minute mark. Somebody tell Kit to bleep it. <laughs> um, you could just like. It could not have started better for the Chiefs. It really could not have started worse for the Buccaneers. Um, and as I wrote in the Athletic, and I just, you know, this entire game was just through the lens of 20 months ago in a pandemic, the worst night in the Mahomes era, uh, and obviously the the conclusion of the Run It Back tour where they they where they didn't reach the final destination. So, in two plays, they accomplished what they couldn't do for 60 minutes in the most important game of the 2020 season, which was get into the end zone. So, much like, you know, as I, as we talked about last episode, as much as Dave Toll felt like, hey, with that muff pump from Sky Moore, we gave so much confidence to the Colts. You literally saw that happen with the Chiefs scoring in two plays. And then Mahomes sort of igniting everybody around them to be like, we are going to dismantle this team in front of a national televised audience. Um, And I think Todd Bowles knew it before the first Chiefs actual official Hmm. offensive snap. Yeah. You could which uh, you, which curse word did that make you say, Nate or Seth? Sorry, go ahead, Seth. What was your favorite curse word? Um, you know what? When Mahomes threw that pick at the end, I said rats. Whoa, can't dump that one too. Bleep it. Um, no, I there it was definitely, you know, I was I was nervous about the game because I really didn't know what to expect. Um, it really is interesting how much a thing like that can kind of loosen things up early on. And frankly, we saw the reverse of that, right? I mean, last week the Colts. You could almost feel them like, oh, hey, maybe we could win. Like, you know, just like, and it's not that I think the Chiefs didn't think they could win, but there was, there was a little pressure. There was a little, it's like, oh, well, they're just going to, they're going to spot a seven, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, okay. And, and they're just, it, it really is, I understand momentum isn't something that can be quantified and, and over time doesn't really seem to exist. But I don't care about your science. What I know is momentum does exist, you heathens. And <laughs> you can see it like just like, oh, come on. And it, it just it was it was just kind of the boost that she's needed. And then when you really the when it really was bad, though, was after the first couple offensive and defensive series. And you were like, so basically the Bucks can throw to Mike Evans. Yep. And that's it. Yep. <laughs> Whereas the Chiefs are just going to go ahead and do whatever they want and on the rare occasions the play doesn't work out Mahomes is going to do something stupid it's one of those nights and so I mean it was you you could feel it you could really feel a shift there and watching the rest of the game was just downright delightful to be perfectly honest uh, we had a, a caller on the post game show last night who specifically shouted out as a, a times ours listener so uh, sh- a shout out to Parker for yeah. this analogy Parker called in and said that he he called that a Patagonia game because it was a quarter zip. Ooh. The Chiefs, the Chiefs unzipped about a quarter in, in Sunday night football in prime time. And I like that a little, lot. A little risque. A little risque. Yeah, it was it was hey, up. 
You want to you imagine what might happen in January? Because here's the crazy thing. This game, again, as I said in the open, like this, this was not a back and forth two points or, you know, seven points, 10 points, three points, seven, 10. The, the Chiefs just got themselves out to a pretty commanding lead pretty much right out of the gate. 21 to three. It wasn't over. Obviously, the Bucs went on to score more than 21 points themselves, but the game was pretty commanding at that point, even as the, the Bucs were getting back into it. That Clyde drop, the Legereus need fumble turns it around. Even even when it was at its riskiest, its shakiest right there before the half, even that was one play lived for, for Tampa on offense. Um, so controlling wire to wire is a heck of a way for this game to have gone. Where do you guys want to start in terms of the thing that you take away as being the most noteworthy, uh, particularly in light of uh, of what we've seen from this team now through through nearly thanks 17 games, nearly a quarter of the season. Um, what, what what's your uh, what's your quarter season takeaway, Nate, especially in light of uh, of last night? Yeah, so this was sort of. Like if I wanted to push the story um, more about the future versus like that moment and obviously the past, which I felt was what was required because the the the, the changes were so um, it, it's it's wild. It's like and I don't think I put this in the story. Um, it was late, kids. <laughs> <laughs> Eastern primetime football. <laughs> the Buccaneers just run the ball once in the second half. Because guys, <laughs> guys, this is getting to be like high school levels. Like, when can I go home? Um. So I don't, I don't think I put this in the story, but you know, one stat that is similar from Super Bowl Fifty Five is the fact that Mahomes was sacked three times in that game, and he was sacked three times last night. Everything else about the trenches was so different. Mm-hmm. Um, not only just about the personnel on the offensive side for the Chiefs, um, and the fact that, like, you know, Nandamakan Sue was not obviously a part of the Buccaneers. Um, but to me, it's like if you want to push this forward, this is who the Chiefs are supposed to be. It's the blueprint is through the offensive line. Everything was informed based on the disastrous catastrophe that happened in the Super Bowl to the Buccaneers. And, you know, ever since that moment, the Buccaneers have been the only team in the NFL that could laugh at the Chiefs offense. Honestly, like Shaq Barrett was honest. And I appreciate that because he had a right to feel that way. Like, dude, the last time we played this team, we changed the entire course of like how the rest of the league was going to, you know, operate against them. Or we were going to, we gave the blueprint to like beat the chiefs or to at least be competitive. You know, even if you don't have the same talent level we do on defense. Well, now the chiefs have had their chance to respond and the offensive line with power running with counters, with dudes just pulling ready to hit whoever crosses their face. That's what the offense has to be. It, can be sexy because you have the most talented quarterback. You still have the best tight end in the league. You still have one of the most imaginative, creative play design, you know, collaborators. I mean, these are producers putting out hot tracks, okay? Like, <laughs> whether it's enemy or Reed or Nagy, like, or Joe Blameyer, like, 
who you want? You want no ID? You want you who who you want? Who you want? You know? Hey, can we get um you know, I don't want to give too many references here because I don't know how much I'm straying away from people, but like these are collaborators who are adjusting to trap music in the idea of like soulful sounds, in the idea of like up tempo, like crescendo, decrescendo, like they can do so many things musically that like, yeah, sometimes it gets a little overwhelming, but when it sounds the right way, the way that it, that they intend, it's, it's beautiful music. All that to be said, if we're, if we're talking in zipper land, you got to unzip something like something's got to be behind the zipper and what behind the zipper is the offensive line. Everything is built off of girth. Good Lord. And the chiefs offensive line should be doing this more times than not for the rest of the season. There are no more there. You know, as long as these guys stay relatively healthy, there are no more. There's not really a major excuse except for Von Miller's in two weeks. <laughs> so like, that's the most recent one I can find because guys, have you seen Von Miller? Holy yeah, smokes. I, I thought like, Hey, that, that game against the, the, the Rams, that's just a scheduled loss. They were motivated. He's as healthy as he'll ever be in the slot. This man was eating people. And then, and then Lamar got spooked. I'll just say it. Like Lamar in the, in the fourth quarter was like, "Have you seen Von Miller? He's always in my face." Okay, <laughs> well, it's a, it's if a his little offensive harder. coordinator would do something, anything, anything to slow down pressure. It's like ah, you know. But that's like here's the deal. Miller will Brown still looks a little not quite as laterally quick even as he was. So I still think he's struggling with some stuff. Although he looked better, and I know yeah. we'll get there. But like all it took was Shaq Barrett beating Orlando Brown around the edge once. And the Chiefs mixed things up after that. And to be fair, you know, Brown had a lot of good snaps too against mm-hmm. Barrett. But it was like, no, oh, no. So we're, we're going to make sure that you don't just get alone in space against him just that easily. I, and that just, I mean, you, I don't know. Maybe you could, you know, do, do some things. Maybe you could slide some protections. Maybe you could chip a little bit with your tight end. Maybe you could roll your quarterback a certain direction. Maybe you could run that direction to cause the pass rusher to hesitate. I don't know, literally anything to just protect your tackle from getting overwhelmed and your quarterback from getting destroyed. And then just like you said, spooked because really it's not, I mean, obviously a single sack pressure hit all those things matter on that one play right but when you get a couple of them and it suddenly affects the entire game that's when you lose so so josh i just want you to imagine that patrick mahomes like whatever whatever gets your imagination going that's the piece of wardrobe but it doesn't look good if it's not on the right body <laughs> and the body's got to be the offensive line like it is so boring to say, but it is like, it's so clear that like, and I know Clyde, I thought Clyde gave me a pretty good answer, sort of, you know, reshaping their own emotions going back into Raymond James Stadium for the first time since their Super Bowl loss. But also from the standpoint of the coach basically said, hey, I did poorly. Special teams did poorly. Chris Jones said something that was, you know, 
whatever. Uh, hey, the Colts had a seven foot tight end. Cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> ultimately, what this comes down to is you have to make a decision. What is something that I can simplify and unify as quickly as possible from A to B? And Andy Reid basically just said, hey, boys, if our offensive line plays well, we can beat anybody. And he mm-hmm. proved to be right because they just beat the best defense in the league statistically entering last night's game solely because the offensive line was just as good as Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. And just just worth noting something here that yeah, they, they put 41 up on them. They would have put up more without like poor Clyde. Like he's, he's, He's been helping more in the pass game and, you know, he, 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 the run game currently fits kind of what he's good at when the offensive line is playing. All right. And then he just, he just drops like Andy Reed rolled out one of his unzips as it were. And just this gorgeous play to give Clyde, like you will never be that open again. Well, no, he probably will. Cause he plays for Andy Reed. So it'll happen again <laughs> at some point. And then he just, you could tell that just the, and Mahomes didn't deliver him a great throw. And that, that happens now, obviously he should have caught it, but like he turns into as he drops it. You can just see him in his eyes. Just like, Oh, come on. So like, that was a touchdown, I think, because there was nobody near that man. <laughs> and he's shown the ability, like when he's in space, like he's a smaller guy. So defensive linemen and even linebackers are able to stop him pretty well. But because of the way he's built, secondary players have problems with Clyde. And he was going to humiliate at least one dude if there was someone near him. But instead, he's like, yeah, I'm going to jump. And then MVS couldn't come up with a a relatively tough catch that Mahomes was trying to prevent him from getting his head taken off, which by the way, Tom Brady could maybe do that for Mike Evans every now and then. Like, (laughs) cause, and to be fair, Mike Evans is a cyborg. Like he hurt a couple (laughs) chiefs defenders. Like they're hitting him. They're like, like Justin Reed, I know what happened to him. And maybe it was Thornhill. I can't remember who the, but like they hit him and you see them after they're like, good God, that guy's solid. Like it hurt them. But man, except for the time that Thornhill hit him in the back of the end zone and then all the air deflated out of Mike Evans because it was such oh. a cruel, dirty hit. Oh, my goodness. That you know, like, and seriously, honestly, honestly, one Thornhill should be in prison. That's what you're going to say, right? <laughs> yeah. the, 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 the thing that's a bummer, because every now and then with those hits, like if they know that the ball is incomplete. OK, fair enough. You know, because you don't yeah, yeah. do it. But sure. he had no idea what's he no. supposed to do, like lay off. He was ducking. He was ducking down to hit him at a safe level, so his eyes could no longer see if the football had been caught or not. Yeah. Like imagine the inverse of that play happening, where he catches it and Thornhill goes, "I'm pretty sure he drops that," and then just oh. pulls up, and then Mike Evans just stands there in the end zone holding a football untouched. Yeah, looking confused. You you can't do that. But but so anyway, the just, Chiefs had a few drops. They they should have hung 50 on Tampa. Like Tampa never really, and then Mahomes obviously with that that throw that I'm pretty sure he wishes he could get back. That was like, what are you doing, man? Like that was bad. That that was that was bad and fair enough. It was a rough pick. It was essentially an arm punt that the uh <clears throat> the the punt team did not cover particularly check, well. Check out if you're a flim from Seth Box. <clears throat> yeah, who had who who had 15 minutes? Um <laughs> Was that in the is that in the I or the in category? Row? <laughs> which, which row is that in? Who also had Seth did not hit the record button. Oh no. Is that real? Yes. Oh 
Seth. I'm so oh, sorry. Seth. This is why That's we use, all right. so this is why this, we use Zoom. This is all first of all, this all needs to stay in. Second of all, can't Seth is very sorry. Third of all, dear listener, I hope you get to hear all of this where we are in mid-season form, 20 minutes in. The first time Seth realized he wasn't recording was when he checked to look at his recording to see how long it had been before he was flimmy into a microphone. Yeah, to make a joke. I'm sorry, Kent. Um, so what analysis was I going to provide as I sit here? So I'm going to try to push Are you recording as I, now? My, am I supposed to now? Yes! Sure. Yes. Okay, Go ahead. Yes. Okay. okay. I'm recording now. And so as I was saying, whoever had five seconds before I was Flemmy would be absolutely <laughs> correct. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to try to push through as my, my brain screams at me what a moron I am. So Hey, listen, listen, your brain doesn't need to do that. I'll do it after the show. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, the, the point overall was that the, the Bucks never really stopped the Chiefs. And you could see it, it, it really is built around, like Nate, like you said, the offensive line. And that's why the Colts game was such a struggle in some ways, is they lost up front consistently. And they didn't really with the way the offense is currently built, and, and I'm sure that'll change moving forward as get different guys learn their roles and that kind of stuff, they really didn't have a plan for if they were getting whooped up front by the Colts. And that was part of the offense's struggles, I think. Now, there was some self-inflicted stuff there too, but really, I think that was a big part of it, is that this team is built around, obviously, Mahomes and Reed. That's always going to be them at the top. Um, but it really is like Kelsey and the offensive line next where it used to be Kelsey and Hill next. And if on the days where that works, and I think it's going to work most days, it's going to look a lot like that. I, I know uh, Ted Ted Wynn was putting out some, some video clips, and he just said, "I you, you can't stop this offense if they're going to run the ball like this. You absolutely can't. And it's it's the total truth. So that I would agree with Nate about that big overarching takeaway. Um and then also, I mean, one of the things I wrote about was just to show the number of times that the Chiefs, that, that the Bucks were kind of cheating towards the pass a little bit. And so the Chiefs just said, okay, you're going to give us a numbers advantage. We're going to run the ball for seven yards. And now it's second and three. And it's really fun to watch when it plays out that way. Yeah, I, I think I think those are the, the places to begin. I think you guys are dead on. The, the one thing that I would add, um, that I've now mentioned a couple times on this show, I'm going to be the first guy to say the name of a player who is no longer on the Chiefs, but I, I think this might be the last time we have to do this. One more time, I want to look at this through a Tyreek Hill prism. And I then I kind of want to throw that prism away because I, I think eventually it is making us do all of our Chiefs analysis through a kaleidoscope where it's like, hey, I mean, what are we even seeing anymore? If all you see when you look at the Chiefs is not Tyreek Hill, all of your analysis is going to sound like Bart Scott or whatever, if, right? If you don't think ESPN on its Monday Night Graphics department is not going to put Tyreek Hill on a late first, early second quarter graphic, sorry, Josh, that's that's just not how this works. No, it'll hey, it'll be there. Hey, did you know the Chiefs without Tyreek Hill are checks notes lead the league in EPA? Yep, and I I think I think that the evolution might be that it might be. Hey, without even without Tyreek Hill, then Troy, uh, uh, then that's gonna. I think that's gonna be probably the evolution of this. But I really felt like watching that game last night. 
it it felt like the first full cashing of the check that they believed they were handed when they traded away Tyreek Hill of what the offense could look like, not just without him, but with the investment in other places. And frankly, not just the offense, the, the defense getting the youthful rejuvenation that includes the first round pick of Trent McDuffie, who wasn't even out there for any of this, uh, that, that Willie Gay is a keystone of that. He wasn't out there. Uh, Mike Dana has been one of the best defensive ends on this team this year. He wasn't out there once again. But the idea that Patrick Mahomes, a really strong offensive line, an evolved functional running game with a variety of useful backs, and then three tight ends who could score a touchdown in a variety of different ways, a bunch of pass catchers getting involved in different forms and in different depths of the field. Like, this feels like what the offense would look like in a borderline ideal world. And that's a tough thing to pull off in any NFL game, much less against a team that had statistically the best, if not one of at least the best um, defenses in all of football, as you mentioned earlier, Nate, coming into this week. Like, that is a heck of an achievement to say, this is what it might look like if you're running this offense against air. Like, not that the Bucks weren't providing their <laughs> feedback, but it was just working and in a variety of ways. Yes, exactly. Um and more multiple, some might say. I don't know. Some might some people might say that. I don't know. Would anybody I, say that it was more multiple? People are saying that it was more multiple. Like who, Seth? Well, you know, I, I think I said it during the, the first 20 minutes when I wasn't recording. So <laughs> I'm still mad <laughs> at myself. I'm sorry. But it'll be there. It's not right. We got the backups. There is, we got backups there for is, backups. Really there are right. many this was people. in the Chief of the North newsletter that I read this morning, and it was very good. But I do have evidence of me saying some of this on the postgame show before it was written. So keep your cease, your system to cease and desist to yourself, Seth. <laughs> this, it really is. It's more multiple. The, the Chiefs can win more in a variety of ways. And that matters a great deal. Because if you're multiple, that means no matter who the opponent is, you can game plan for them. I'm not sure they were as multiple even last week as they are this week because in a, because the offensive line, that's that's the more known quantity, right? Now they were dealing with some injuries. That was a bummer. But they have other layers that they're trying to work in right now. Like, I don't know, maybe a better runner than they had last year. Maybe a couple of receivers with certain skill sets that they're finally starting to really unfold in the offense. How great was it to see Mahomes and MVS connect on a deep shot? Like, Extremely good. You could see the plan come together and how all of those things are complementary towards one another. And the more of those things unfold, as it were, I guess unzip would be the, the analogy that we've stuck with. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I, the more that I think I use the term unfold, you know, you're, 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 you're looking at all new things. It's like if you had, I don't know, like a quilt of some sort, it was all folded up very nicely in the corner. And then unfold. you got a bragger over here. Every time you unfold a piece, you see a little bit more of the pattern and how the whole fits together. And that's kind of what you're starting to see with the chiefs again, through just four games, there's going to be ebbs and flows here. But that's that multiplicity there that makes you more varied against a team that really for the Chiefs, with them being based entirely around Kelsey and Hill, in, in addition to Mahomes, they maybe didn't have as many answers to. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Did we did I at some point in the preseason did we ever talk about the phrase like backup plan? I vaguely remember mentioning it and also not being totally satisfied with it as a term, but just going back to the different ways to frame all of this. I just think it's really important where if if you do end up with a day where you could have limited Tyree Killer Travis Kelsey what was, if again, not the backup plan, but the off-speed pitch or whatever. Right, it, right, it right. It felt like the Chiefs had like five pitches last night that they could have gone to. Yeah, and I just love the idea that like you're just watching natural progression of players, one in particular being Noah Gray. Like oh, he's, he's the next. I've got it. We're going to talk about him. We're going to talk about a couple of tight ends momentarily. Yeah, Maybe so, right now. you know, this is what I understood to be the projection when they drafted him, right? Because the reason I called him, you know, a majestic white horse on a sandy beach is because, like, he was idealistic at the time of, of them selecting him in the draft. And by the way, they traded up to go get him, I, I believe. Mm-hmm. And also, like, you don't want to let those ideals, those visions sort of go away going from year one to year two. You want to continue to like shine it up, you know, groom that horse so that he can trot across many oceans to where no one's looking at him, even though he's right in front of you taking a snap. That used to be for Blake Bell 
and still scoring a touchdown. The idea that they've shown you something on film constantly. But now Noah Gray is capable and trusted enough to do that role. Um, If you look at the MVS deep shot that you guys just referenced, the guy running the corner for the cover two hole is Noah Gray, who is wide open. And I noticed that rewatching it, thinking like he didn't run that route at all last year. So they're getting little by little from what the idea of him was. Move him around. Can be a blocker. Can be someone you can use on short yardage. Hey, maybe could be an intermediate secondary option. Hey, this guy is able to process things mentally because he went to Duke and Duke realized he one of our best players and quarterback just can't go five steps, get him the ball. We got to, we got to make it, we got to make it simple by moving him around the, all the formations being in the backfield motion, all that stuff. So it was just a natural fit in for the chief's offense. And now he gets to learn it from not just Patrick Mahomes and he's reading Eric Bieniemy, but now he's, he's getting to learn it from Travis Kelsey and like, some of those things are translating. So it's it's wild, and I, I think I'm going to write this later in the week, but just it's wild that their tight ends are just as good as their receivers. Um, and I don't know how many teams in the in the NFL can sort of say that. You know, we might have one good tight end, you know, but our top three tight ends, maybe four, if Bell comes back and is serviceable again, that – just as comparable as our four wide receivers, that doesn't that doesn't seem you that doesn't seem ordinary. Well, and also, I mean, what that lets you do from a personnel perspective, obviously, is you keep your heavy dudes out there, make it look like you've got a plan to go ahead and just slam the ball downfield a little bit, and then all of a sudden you've got some majestic white horses trotting down some sandy beaches, and you are once again dangerous in different personnel groupings, different ways you can attack teams. Um, perhaps more multiple, some people are saying. Seth, now I want to make sure you're recording before you talk about the word multiple. Uh, no, we don't have to do that again. But you you get the uh, you get the Noah Gray belldozer play. You get the Jody Fortson touchdown. Fort season continues year-round, baby. It's a it's an epidemic in the best possible what if, sense. What, what if I told you I saw him line up in that formation? And I believe if you go back to Washington last year in the game that he ultimately had his uh, Achilles injuries – it's a similar formation. He's only to the, you know, one side of the field. In the press box, I'm sitting next to Herbert Tiope, and we both immediately say, there's the one-on-one mis- like mismatch. Mm-hmm. Pre-snap. And then I added, it's just a, there's, it's a natural slant. It's just a natural slant. And then they actually did it. <laughs> That's one of the most fun things when you're watching football is when you're kind of looking for something like you think maybe you figured a little something out. Cause we all, we really are often watching stuff that's basically shrouded by the fog of war. We kind of might sort of know what we're looking at. but And so uh, it, it's so <laughs> fun. <laughs> no, it's Seth, so, this is war. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fun when you have a moment where you're like, you know, I think this would be a bit of an edge, or I think this is what they're trying to build towards. And then you see it happen. 
Um, and that's and, and that's kind of what I wrote about after the game, which in tis the season to write about your priors, right? Um, but just about watching the 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 way that they were able to utilize different skilled guys in different ways that are all complementary towards one another that just mean they can win with a huge variety of play calls and personnel sets. And that that's that that idea of being multiple in that way it's just something that they didn't have last year. Um and maybe not even the year before, at least well especially not the year before. And so I I just uh it's exciting seeing that with with MVS and Juju Smith-Schuster, who is not putting together a monster season statistically, but the physicality he adds to that wide receiver group is in my imagination. Is that like is that noticeable? And not just not just on plays where he gets the ball, um, but and then and then you know to to tie it all together, like you said, you've got you know Jody Fortson. You know the Chiefs might they might mismatch you with their third tight end. Crazy. You know, yeah. that's it's just, it's just crazy. That's cool. Like that's the ability to say, hey, our third tight end. And and I would argue that in terms of like a one-on-one route, um, in a one-on-one setting like that, you know, it's unfair to call him the third tight end because he is more of a mismatch than Noah Gray is in that particular situation. Um, because Jody Fortson, he's just really tall. He's just a big dude. And like Davis just had no chance. Like, that just wasn't fair. And they did a great job breaking down why. I mean, it really is. With that leverage, that coverage, it's just not fair. All he's got to do is turn and put the ball on him. It's hilarious. But that's what the Chiefs can do right now is they might line up with three wide receivers and Kelsey and spread everyone out and send the running back out of the backfield on a, on a really good angle route. And what can you do? They might stack everyone up on one side, put Kelsey on the other, or they might put Kelsey right on the line and utilize him as a, as a blocking tight end, mm-hmm. which they did a few times. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the plays that I highlighted where what the, uh, what, what, what the, what the Buccaneers did is they allowed for a light box and they brought a corner down, didn't even put him in the box. They treated Kelsey like a wide receiver. And then you know what he did? He fired off the line and everyone was blocking. And it was the easiest like six yards that Clyde Edwards-Alaire has ever earned. And then he earned a few more. They can do all those things. And now they've also added another pitch. I like like the way you frame that, Josh. In that maybe what they'll do is they'll just line up heavy with a fullback and run it right down your throat with Isaiah Pacheco. And there's not much you can do about it. And you just, you can prepare for some of these things, but preparing for all of them at once, I'm not sure what defensive coordinator, coordinators are going to do watching this film. His, his name is Von Miller. And that's, his, that's his, really. His name, his name is literally Von Miller. What a, spring, <laughs> what a, what a sprinkle. I'll, I'll put some respect on your name, sir. I don't, I hope I, I mean, I hope people know whose name's about to come out of my mouth. Cause like, sir. You're not Kirk Cousins, but I've kind of used you as like the defensive like Kirk Cousins. Like what a sprinkle of Matt Milano. Just just a sprinkle. <laughs> just a sprinkle of Matt Milano on top of a Milvin on, on top of a Von Miller cake. And that's what you can hope for, is that you have the personnel to win matchups in multiple places although i'll tell you if levante david can't win that matt milano's not helping you 
Um, it's 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 why I referenced him. Yep, yep. You know you, and that's you. You've got to hope that you can win that personnel wise. And it sounds bizarre to say it, like the Colts did. <laughs> like you, but really, I mean, how often is Trey Smith going to be playing hurt enough to genuinely impact his play and lose on a few bull rushes? I guess. It's, it, well, yeah. I mean, I, that's that's one of the things about the rest of the season is like, you know, playing power football does demand you know, a bit more from you physically than maybe, you know, some of the um, more elaborate blocking schemes that they've wanted to do in space out of shotgun necessarily. Um, But yeah, if they play more power counter sort of stretch plays, um, yeah, the the offensive line is going to have to hold up physically. Um, Since we're back on the offensive line, I just want to take one quick uh, swing through here because I'm sure when we mentioned the offensive line earlier, people were screaming at their phones. I I, I need an Orlando Brown heat check from both of you guys. I, he's I need fine. your he's... I need your theory. I need your explanation. I need what what he's worth. I need all of it. Nate, you said he's fine. Go ahead. You he, go first. You were very excited to answer that. He's fine. Um, you can give up a sack, guys. Like the other guys are paid too. Like it's okay. <laughs> like it's totally okay. Um. Remember last week, the sack that Orlando Brown gave up against the Colts was more coverage based. Like the mm-hmm. Chiefs tried to take a deep shot. All three guys recover because the Colts, like you know, were like. By the way, how can one team look so? I mean, I, I know how because it's. I mean, we're all humans, and that's goes to hard nature by and large. But like the same defensive unit that was so disciplined and focused. And determined to not get embarrassed in their home opener. Just. I don't want to watch the Colts anymore this year. I really don't. <laughs> I don't even want to watch them boys. I'm sorry, y'all. I used to live there and I don't even want to watch them boys anymore. Uh, anyway, by the way, they're going to make me you, watch these boys on Thursday. <laughs> did you see what I think it was uh, Naam Hines said that like he pointed out the fact that every bleeping year they're just trying a new quarterback installed and like it actually makes it it makes it harder for the rest of the offense. He compared them to uh, the Titans. So they've had Ryan Tannehill over there my whole career and they look at them and it's the first I've ever heard anyone lustfully wish for Ryan Tannehill. It was by a the really, way, by the way, and also his point I thought was really good. It was like, no, oh, yeah, that yeah, probably yeah. does get hard for like a running back. It totally makes sense. It's just ama- it's just it's just amazing that he's saying that kind of on like the downswing of like probably Ryan Tannehill's time and yeah. in Tennessee, which hey had some right. high moments. Um, and also, don't worry about it. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, absolutely a Colts quarterback in twenty twenty. <laughs> I mean, he will be oh, there no. in three. I would bet. I would bet anything I could find on Ryan Tannehill <laughs> finishing his career in Indianapolis. It's perfect. That's a can, terrific bet. Honestly, can he, thank you. Can thank he go you. to Carolina first? Yeah, yeah, come, yeah, yeah. Then come to India. It can't be divisional inner trading, right? I mean, or like they're just gonna I mean if Jimmy G can't go to the freaking, you know, Seahawks, like I hey Rami, you just serve a year with Matt Rule if he's still yep. there, then yep. you can come over to Frank Wright and them boys. Uh, that's what it is. That you got the path. Bang. Got <laughs> So so with all that being said, I just I know that some people get upset. When they say, when I write that Orlando Brown is a star left tackle, let me remind you again, ladies and gentlemen, he is a top 10 left tackle in the league. He was on the Pro Bowl last year. Uh, he has the ability to play better than Eric Fisher. He's fine. Okay. And he's dealing with a knee injury that Seth kind of 
mentioned earlier, and like that might be something, as I've said before, that is sort of nagging for weeks. Um, and Andy Reid, I think, pretty much acknowledged that last week, leading up to Sunday's game. So he's he's fine. He's better than like half the other left tackles in the league. Did you see who's playing left tackle for the Indianapolis Colts? <laughs> Just wanted like it could be worse. And I know fans are like. Maybe he should have taken the contract. Well, that's his decision, not yours. Um, and these good note. And these things are, you know, as the, as as we all need to understand, fluid. They like are he could, fluid. He could play better as the season goes along. He could play worse as the season goes along for a number of factors and circumstances. Um, but like, Shaq Barrett got him on a snap. Dog, that's cool. Like it was on a clear pass down. It's fine. <laughs> like. Right. Again, Von Miller is better than than Shaq Barrett is right now. So mm-hmm. just if if I'm just projecting in two weeks' time, if things don't go a certain way, Orlando Brown is still a very good left tackle. For me, things fine. I I would say that he hasn't been very good so far this year, but this is where you know we expect players to play hurt, and then we you know, kind of go behind. Well, everyone's hurt. Everyone's Well, not everyone's hurt the same way. There's being hurt in a way that really hinders your effectiveness, and there's being hurt in ways that just hurt. Um, with Brown, I'm seeing a lot of upper body attempts at winning, right? Really trying to take advantage of his reach, really trying to take advantage of getting his hands on guys, getting a good initial punch and directing guys wide. Now, that's the way he's always won, right? But when you are really leaning into it you you run risks where guys might bounce off and and he also just doesn't seem to have quite the same punch that he did and i mean that's lower body right you just when you're not be able to put your entire lower body into something you're not going to get the same amount of strength into it so he hasn't looked as good as he did last year i'm willing to 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 see how it goes he he's got like he's given up you know like 20 pressures or whatever and and i would need to see what those pressures looked like before i would you know, sign off on that stat. And that's one reason why I haven't like quite let it make the rounds, at least for me. But I mean, he is giving up more pressure than he did last year. At the same time, he looked better against the Bucks than he did the previous week. And I'm willing to say, yeah, a guy was playing hurt for a couple weeks. Okay, fair enough. Now, what do you do with him? Because that's, I think, Nate, where you're, where you're coming from is fans aren't really asking the question they think they're asking. Correct. They they think they're asking, is Orlando Brown any good? But what they're really asking is, is he worth X contract? And those are two different questions. Mm-hmm. Now, if he plays that this way for the rest of the year, would I sign him to $120 million a year? No, I wouldn't. Can he still help the Chiefs win the Super Bowl? Yeah. Yeah. And those are two different questions. And the problem is people are always trying to answer every question all at once. You know, and maybe call it the Twitter effect. You know, we think we've got a limited number of characters to think about at one time. So he's been he's been against the Bucks. He was fine. Better than he was against the Colts. Right. And, and that was better than he was against the Chargers. Um, and by the way, you know, because like there were a couple snaps for one, you know, one, he stepped on Noah Gray's foot on one against the Colts. That happens. It looks terrible. It happens. Um, and yeah, Khalil Mack got him a couple times, but you know what? There are a couple of snaps that no one, you know, these were making the rounds last year. Maybe I should do a better, you know, a better job of this where he freaking just slammed Khalil Mack to the ground. And 
you're going to get some of those. So I'm, I'm a little less, I mean, I don't even call it pro Brown. Cause I think what you're asking people to understand is like, let's not overreact to a couple times he's played hurt when it looks like he's a little bit on the upswing and he really, it's not like he was terrible against the Bucks. At least I don't think he was. So it, but it is everything gets lumped together. And this year, you're not going to be able to talk about Orlando Brown without talk, without talking about whether he's worth Trent Williams money. And that's just the nature of the beast, I guess. And, and, and is Trent Williams hurt, Seth? Trent Williams is indeed hurt, Nate. It's a, it's a violent game, and they have no other options. So stop asking the question. Just Right. Just, just you, you need, like, I think some people need to acknowledge that, like, like I said earlier, it's fluid. He's not as good as you want him to be. Okay, you said the same thing about Clyde Rosalaire, however many times. But they're three and one. We think they can get better, and they have no other option, which was why the negotiation part of the offseason was so fascinating because they had no other options. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> and if he knows that, they obviously know that. And they're trying to obviously work in this partnership to, to obviously have maximum success on both ends. Um, but like guys, I watched the I watched I watched watched the Jacksonville Jaguars tackles yesterday. It wasn't great. <laughs> uh, so like you know, if you just watch the Chiefs, I understand that. But I think it you know, and, and I'm sure you know this, Josh. Like it, it just goes to better. It goes to better serve your, I won't say opinion, but just like your overall knowledge. Um, if you just watch other teams around the league. Because you, you wouldn't want the Raiders left tackle. You wouldn't. No, no you wouldn't want you, you, like the Jags have had the number one pick. I don't know how many times. The left tackle's kind of a work in progress. Like, hey, why did Daniel Jones get hurt? Because the left tackle kind of stinks. Um so it's you have the most talented quarterback that helps Orlando Brown, but Orlando Brown helps Patrick Mahomes because as Seth mentions, um, I think Orlando Brown, along with Andrew Wiley, like a lot of those guys played inspired yesterday. And that is something to be commendable for because we know that they're not super duper healthy or they haven't been as consistent as we all projected them to be at this point. Um, But if they play this inspired with the coaching staff trying to accentuate their, their strengths more times than their, weaknesses or their you know sort of sort of in between phase where they're just maybe average at certain things then um the offense can still be functional um and the offense is number one in epa because you know orlando brown is better than the average left tackle uh let's let's hop over to the defensive side then for a little bit here because we thought this game was going to have a lot more defensive headlines than ultimately did uh it was 28 17 at halftime the chiefs at one point we're up 21 to three early on. We could look at how the defense actually performed over the course of this. I said earlier, I, I'll, I'd stick by. I, I don't feel like this defense gave up 31 points, like chasing it down. You know, it, it it was the way the game ended up flowing. At no point did I feel like the defense was necessarily overmatched or underwater or any of those things. Um, but I want to ask you a question, Seth. I want to know if you've seen the pressure rate percentage of uh, defensive tackle so far in week four? Oh, <laughs> yes. 
I saw no. that. Or yeah, it was pass rush win, win rate pa- pa- or pressure yes. rate. Yeah, it's it's pass rush win rates in week four. Uh, Seth Walder, ESPN Next Gen Stats here with the uh, with the charting. I'm just gonna give you a few numbers. Um, number five was a tie between Tershawn Wharton and Justin Jones of the Bears. 25% pass rush win rate. It's good for fifth best in football this week. Climb all the way up to number three, Christian Wilkins. 29.4%. That's good for third in the NFL. Shelby Harris at number two. An absolutely ludicrous 42.9% pass rush win rate for a defensive tackle. He was good with the Broncos, but I mean, if you got to get Russell Wilson, I mean, I guess you got to come off Shelby Harris. You can't, you can't win. You can't win with Geno Smith. I mean, come on. This is pretty evident. But then at number one, at number one, Chris Jones. And that's not the most impressive part. The most impressive part is that Chris Jones is on the top of this chart with a defensive tackle pass rush win rate of a flat, even, exact, precise 0.0. 50% is an Now, un- Seth, I'm not great at math, but that's every other snap. <laughs> that is an unbelievable. And they do their pass uh they do their pass rush win rate a little bit differently than I do. It's it's more based my understanding at least a little bit is proximity to the quarterback, which mm-hmm. makes sense. Um it doesn't it, it doesn't track certain things. But it's better. It's significantly better than nothing, right? Just looking at sacks, right? I would, I would, I would point to this as being um, a jumping-off point if you would like to talk about number ninety-five at all, yep. or anything else that you want to add to kind of flesh that out. Because sure. a fifty, when when the th- the third best rate they handed out this week was just sub thirty, makes me think that there was a Chris cool. Jones game happening in the middle. Yeah, a twenty-five percent win rate is excellent. Um, really, really, Orton. really, really good. That's elite. That's like if you are an elite, like you're talking, you know, you know, edge rushers might get a little higher than that, but defensive tackles, especially 25%, is absolutely elite. That is your 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 Aaron Donald level. And that's Doing 42, it, that's 42 snaps on 66% of them for Tershawn Wharton at that number, by the way. Yeah. That wasn't because he only got six snaps or something. That he he yeah. was he was out there. Yeah, good on Wharton. Him and Saunders have kind of taken turns having some impressive performances this year. Um, and, and the thing is, during the game, I actually tweeted out that I thought the Chiefs pass rush was doing a decent job, and I had a lot of fans get mad at me. Um, Tom Brady gets rid of the ball really fast, guys. Like, yeah. He throws the ball very quickly. Like those final drives, there's a reason why. It's like, man, why Why are they just throwing the ball to the middle of the field? Don't they know they're losing by a ton? Why Why are they doing all these, these relative dink and dunks with the occasional intermediate shot? Because he could not hang on to the ball for longer than two seconds. Unless he unless he moved around. And he had a great play where he, where he, where he climbed the pocket really well. But like... Well, and he was only able to do it because Jones got held. Like, <laughs> which, by the way, drawing a holding call like that is, although you don't you don't lose the down, which kind of bums me out a little bit. It's very nearly as good as collecting a sack, but we don't look at it remotely the same way. Um, and that hold was the only reason Jones didn't collect a sack there. Jones is the right now with the Chiefs defense. The rest of the guys, and this includes Karloftis, who I really like, they are winning within the framework of the defense. Um, Dunlap will occasionally win a one-on-one, um, but everyone else, for the most part, including Karloftis, he's more of a, you know, crush the pocket a little bit, execute these stunts really well. Like he's, you can see Karloftis figuring it out. And I think he's going to be more as his career goes on, but they, they don't really have any other winning one-on-one guys right now. Um, now, it's an interesting question. Can you have a really good pass rush if you have 
you know, four or five average guys and one elite guy. And those four or five guys are really good at executing the system. Well, I think we're going to find out because that's what it looks like. It's But it's all built around Chris Jones being that equalizer, that that that, that winner, one-on-one, borderline constantly for a pass rusher. And it's just so cool um, how to watch him week in, week out. He's so good. And the defense overall, they, I know they gave up 31. Overall, I came away pretty good with the defense. Tom Brady had his weapons back um, overall. I know Godwin was a little bit in and out. And he is a different quarterback when he's got Godwin on the field. Um, but but, but and, Godwin was covered effectively by LeJarrius Sneed for more than half the game. Seth. He he was. And and honestly, and that Godwin and Evans both made multiple catches where they were covered. Mm-hmm. That stinks. But it happens. Mike Evans is a beast. He's an absolute monster, but they really like every yard for the most part that the Bucks gained, they had to earn. And that's really in the modern NFL, the best way you're going to be able to gauge that. Did it look easy or did they have to make a good play to make it happen? That's really all you can do is that's what defense has been trying to do against Mahomes, right? The last two years, force him to make 12 good plays in a row because even Patrick Mahomes can struggle with that. Force teams to make multiple, force them to make the right read every time, force them to move off their spot a little every time because there's a little pressure, force them to run a great route, force them to make a great catch, all these things. If you do that, eventually they will crumble. And that's why, yep, the Bucks put up 31. But really, when it counted, the defense held up multiple times that allowed the Chiefs to grab the big lead and then kill chances at a comeback. You know, when it's 31-17, or, you know, whatever it was, I think it was 31-17 at that point, and you force a punt. Those are when it really matters, not so much what the box score says at the end, and Chris Jones was a huge part of that. The the Bucks' last drive before the half, they, they scored a touchdown, they went 75 yards and took two minutes and one second, and they did it on 12 plays. Their, their touchdown drive after that was 11 plays. Their touchdown, their their. Final touchdown drive. They got done in five. I think their first one was six plays. All of that to go back. I, I really like the idea of just, hey, view this view this through the lens of, did you make life difficult on the offense? And then occasionally Mike Evans was an alien sent from outer space to be seven feet tall and just be able to jump over you. Tough. Some, you can you can live with that, as, as you said. But, but it, it was work for Tampa. Um, so anything you want to add on the uh, defensive side here, Nate? Uh, Chris Jones beat is, uh, is Seth's, but... Uh, what else did you see from the defense in this performance before we wrap things up here? Yeah, I thought Juan Thornhill played well. Um, like we mentioned before, nothing he can really do about that penalty. Um, other than, other than you know, try to atone. The 12-game suspension is going to be a lot, but I, yeah. you know, maybe the Chiefs can come out from the other side of it. I Obviously, he cannot play football for a while because of that act of violence. Uh, Darius Harris, um, just solid, man. Just... He's an NFL player, and we now know yeah. that, and that's yeah. that's cool. Um, we didn't know that the Chiefs had an NFL backup linebacker for sure before the season started, just right. for context. We right. didn't know that. And, like, I don't even have to notice Leo Chanel, and that's not Leo Chanel's fault. I just don't have to notice you because, you know, Darian Harris is an NFL player, and that's that's really promising um, because that can be even more multiple when Willie yeah. Gay comes back. Uh, I thought Brian Cook got a lot of – interesting game experience because Tom Brady was like, Hey, that luxurious sneak guy. He's really good. Hey, 
I know I got one-on-ones with Rashad Fitton and Mike Evans, who <laughs> here's how hard it is to play DB kids. Um, the Bucks are driving. They're on the plus side of the field. Um, Rashad Fitton's like, I know I have man coverage. He's Mike Evans. He's really good. I'm going to be technique sound. I'm going to take the inside. Okay, he's going to go outside. Holy smokes, he slapped me in the face. <laughs> Before he caught the pass and none of y'all saw that? Like, <laughs> it must be infuriating to play cornerback in this league. Where it's like, I know it's me and him. I see the I see the formation. I see what our call is. I understand why coach called it. Cool. We're going we gonna to heat up Tom. I like it. One-on-one, don't you even... This ball better be accurate. Take his inside leverage. Got him. Now I got to make a 45-year-old man throw the ball further to the outside. Why is he slapping me in the face? <laughs> and there's no penalty. Why? And, being and, everybody cheer, and everybody cheers like they did something. Like, <laughs> dog. He ran a 10-yard out and slapped me. <laughs> and got away with it. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's so funny. <laughs> like they showed it, they showed it on the broadcast because I remember seeing it live in the press box, being like, "They just not going they just not gonna call it." Oh yeah, hey, really, hey boys, we got to keep it close, you know. <laughs> I mean, if we push Tom backwards, then they have to pass the ball, which they're already doing. But you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it just it kills me, man, because they showed it on NBC and like. <laughs> Rashad was like, why is everybody cheering at my yeah. failure? <laughs> I got slapped in, in the, the face. face. <laughs> now, thankfully, I was wearing a helmet. But still, man, it's embarrassing. <sighs> um, so I, I just thought the defense played well. They didn't give up any chunk plays, even though Tom Brady threw the ball more than 50 times. And that is, like, wildly impressive. No one got behind them. So you're just making them squeeze. You're just slowly squeezing them. You're making them play the clock and the scoreboard. You don't want to give up anything um, big over the top. And you just want to play solid in the red zone. To Seth's point, Mike Evans just catches everything in the red zone. So good luck with that. Uh, But no, the defense was excellent in the first half. Um, I think... I think they were almost flawless until the final drive of the half where it was, what was it? 10 to 28 or whatever. Um, and the Buccaneers scored right before halftime, but Hey, you know, Jalen Watson was in the picture and that's a rookie. So, um, the uh, you mentioned that the, uh, that Tom Brady threw the ball 52 times and they didn't run very much. Should just read the stat line. Here's the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, rushing totals for the game. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and put on my glasses here. I see six carries for three yards. That's an average of 0.5 yards per carry, if my math is correct. Mm. One t- one touchdown and a, a four-yard long. Um, also a three-yard long for Leonard Fournette, who actually finished the game with uh, three carries for negative three yards, which is basically a logic problem. Yeah. Yeah, but that's... This NFL running back carried the ball three times. His longest run was for three yards. He ended the game with negative three yards. How many runs were his other two carries for? Uh, Nick Bolton said, let me let me stop you right there. <laughs> Nick Bolton said, I'm actually good. I'm just going to get you back here. That's cool. All right. Uh, so Weird game, fun game. Yeah. And uh, three and one, that Colts, that Colts game, I feel like, feels one more step uh, away from being something to be thinking about in January and one step closer to being... Uh, the anomaly that it certainly looks like as of right now. And frankly, yes. that it looked like at that time. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes everything goes wrong. 
And that was such a game. And then sometimes most things go right. And we saw that on Sunday. And so it really is funny. Now all we are is a frustrating type win over the Raiders away from my prophecy of having no idea what to expect against the Bills. That's, (laughs) I just, I fully expect that at this point. And I will never be really confident again because of what I do to the Chiefs. It is me. We, I think we've established this. When I am overly confident in a game, things go wrong. People drop punts. Um, So, by the way, we did the entire podcast and we didn't mention the fact that Patrick Mahomes like broke Twitter. Um, Yeah, I guess we didn't really talk about that, did we? Whoops. It's... Well, what can you what can you say at this point other than it's? I mean, he he uses the sideline. He uses the sideline as an as a as like a pick man, and I don't know if mm. people acknowledge like or yeah. people realize that. Like he like the boundary is supposed to be an extra defender. That's what every coach tells you. You know, if you can't get the angle, at least make him go out of bounds. But Patrick Mahomes has found the way to make the boundary. The defender's problem, not the ball carrier's problem. And that is a mind trick that I'm still trying to get my head around. But when he does it, and he's very, you know, deliberate and specific, it still works. And it's like, that's not how it's supposed to work. But the league is very cognizant of, we must Protect, yeah, all quarterbacks, yeah, not named Tua Tonga Valoa. Outside of that, yeah, yeah, yeah. we oh, must protect no. the Tua. quarterbacks of thirty-one teams. Tua uh. could have someone walk onto the field and run him over with a semi, and they would be like, you know, I think he's just got a little tweaked ankle. You know, he's left-handed. It looks different coming out of his hand. It's hard to say for sure. That has created, you know, I feel bad for the original poster of the Tua turned right-handed thing. Because that did kind of blow my mind a little. Yeah, me too. And now people are being so mean. And it's yeah, some so some people were, and I love that we're being vague about who people are. And yeah, that it's right. not about any particular person on this podcast who immediately, of course, considered deleting it like five minutes later when I was worried. I mean, when that person was worried about his literal life. It's a weird, yeah, weird Thursday night football experience for all yeah. of us. I mean, for all of the people that were partaking. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm. We, you know, uh, he's going to take some time off. Uh, glad that we're making better decisions now versus previously. Put that um, man in a beach chair, like just hope, in some nice thick sunglasses. Yeah, we, we hope he stays healthy. We hope he gets a chance to um, play well under the right circumstances. But yeah, for everybody else, it's like. Again, another example of maybe Patrick's ahead of his peers in thinking that, like, well, the defender is so terrified of pushing me out of bounds, which will cause a flag. But even in that case, like, they're already at the two-yard line, Levante. Just just push him out of bounds, dog. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But under normal circumstances, the defender is so terrified to push the quarterback out of bounds for fear of a penalty that... All of a sudden, the the boundary becomes the pick man. It becomes a man that removes the screamy defender in a way that has never happened before in the history of the NFL. And Mahomes is, I think, the best at figuring that out and then buying more time to just, you know, do wizard, um, wizard-like stuff. So it's, yeah, I mean, Andy Reid looked me right in the eye after the game and said, you guys can't take this for granted. And I was like, 
but coach like I've seen it like five seasons now. <laughs> like, like, like I get it, but like I also have to acknowledge that like I have a catalog that is continuing to grow in my memory of five years worth of this stuff. So I'm not saying I'm taking it for granted. I'm just saying that like Yeah, it's 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 pretty good. Um but the boundary is the boundary is it's just an extra it's just it's not it's no longer a defender when it comes to Mahomes. Uh let's uh let's wrap it up there. We went a little long, but it was a primetime game. That game went a little long. Nate went to Tampa for it. They just had a hurricane and uh it's been busy, you know? So uh hopefully no one complains about a little extra free time czars with your order here today. Um, you can read both of the works of both of these fellas, of course, at theathletic.com and on the Chief in the North newsletter for Seth and then chiefsfan.substack.com. If you're not subscribed to this podcast, I mean, you you might as well. You made it all the way. Th- you made it to the end of this episode, maybe our longest episode ever. Um, so I feel like you ought to just hit subscribe. Maybe tell a friend about it, tweet about it, however you see fit. Appreciate all the kind words to get about the show out in the wild it's a surprisingly frequent occurrence for uh for what this show is so thanks to everybody who is uh, joining us for yet another i'm sure going to be a high octane season we'll be back again later in the week to look ahead to uh the chiefs raiders we'll do that this week we'll we'll, we'll uh, monday night game there we'll figure out when our post uh game show ends up being probably tuesday we'll figure it out i don't know i love remembering on the show that we need to change our schedule because <laughs> they can't because they can't stop putting the chiefs in prime time which is really putting years on our lives but uh it's uh it's fun to have the uh the option of the chiefs being the standalone game taking over twitter etc for those exact types of patrick mahomes moments um seth you got anything you want to fire off here or can we let nate put a bow on this one I just wanted to let everyone know that this is all opinion. <laughs>